This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Just imagine. I want everybody. This. I want everyone to imagine that this is like very sexy elevator music that I'm doing. Um, just this is where you want to start from. Um, pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. No. What elevator have you ever been in where the the adjective you would choose to describe the music is sexy? By sexy, I mean good. That's that's what that means. Sexy just means good. I want that crocheted on a pillow. <laughs> um, hi, welcome to the Great American Scream. <laughs> My name is Adam O'Connell. My name is a uh, uh, sexy morning radio voice, Devin Wright. Ooh, see, Ooh. sexy. It's very early. Yes, but sexy just means good. This will be our sexiest episode yet since vampires. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, first off, before we Hello. get uh, cracking today, I want to thank everybody who came and hung out at our live stream. Um, I guess. Oh, my God. It was Tuesday. So much fun. It'll be four days ago, five days ago, four days ago. Last um, Friday. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, I had a total blast. Um, I hope you all had fun. It was great seeing you all in the chat. Uh, thank you again to Casper and Brucker for coming on uh, for our horror trivia show. I think that was a ton of fun. Um, and if you didn't catch a live stream, you can still watch it um, yeah. on Twitch TV slash D-Law, D-E-E-L-A-W. Um, I went back and I saw that a fair amount of people have already gone back and watched it. Um, yeah. So thank you. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Please enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we were so happy to see everybody. And we hope we can do something like that again sometime. Um, yeah. But uh, so anybody who joined us for our first hour of that live stream got to sit along and watch uh, with us, a very spooky analog horror playlist that I, I curated um, with some really like heavy hitters uh, in the analog horror genre. It and was a solid playlist. It was really good. And I, I we've talked a little, we talked about analog horror in the past. I think in the YouTube horror or the Internet horror series, we yes. talked about Local 58, a couple other elements of analog horror. But I'd really like to dive into the genre as a whole today because um so it's a fairly new genre. It's really only appeared and kind of grown in popularity in like the last five-ish years, especially and pretty much exclusively on YouTube. Um, yeah. And um, Local 58 is kind of what launched it in popularity, but there is barely scratching the surface of the literal hours upon hours upon hours of analog horror content that is on uh, YouTube, Local 58, Analog Archives, Channel 7, the Minerva Alliance, Gemini Home Entertainment. There's so many event type media center uh, like there's so so many um so i, I really like I, I i like the fact that it's you know it's, it's kind of centered on youtube that makes a lot of sense we'll probably talk about it mm -hmm. uh just because you know youtube is a place where you can fall down holes and like find random home videos from a guy named glenn from 2007 but i'd like to see them branch out and start <laughs> start doing analog horror on vimeo on and stuff because like something about vimeo is kind of eldritchly horrifying okay in a way that youtube is not maybe they could i think they should branch out 
Okay. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, and like, but I think any kind of internet streaming or video, video platform is kind of the best medium for these. And we'll talk about why in a minute, but yeah, Quibi. first before that, um, I want to talk about, um, how we kind of got to the genre of analog horror. Cause it kind of sprung up out of nowhere, like not totally out of nowhere, but like, yeah, it, there, it wasn't like a modern, oh, like, when we talk about kind of like modern horror film genres, like, oh, we start with the monster film and then the alien, and then we moved on to slashers. One day we just kind of had analog horror, but it does have its roots in, in other genres. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you can draw a line if you're looking for it, mm-hmm. but if you're not, it just seems like we ended up like it, it just kind of ended up fully formed right in front of us. Yeah. Um, and very good. Like we didn't get to see bad analog horror. We just very good. There's no such good thing. Ones. Um, yeah. And this is truly the like genre, the one of the few genres of horror that like actively gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like nothing. Like not to say that other horror films don't scare me, but like this yeah. is the ones that sit with me. That like I'll be scared while I'm watching a horror movie, and then after that, I'll be fine. When I watch a scary analog horror video, I think about it for like days afterwards. Like the first time that I saw. I- the Mr. Know-It-All's Game Show Spectacular. For like four <laughs> days after, I was so freaked out. I enjoyed uh, watching them with you because you got really skeeved out. I think the analog horror is the one form of horror that I can watch and just thoroughly enjoy. Like, oh, I, for me, yeah. they are just like, like I don't like, we, we've talked about this before. The reason that I didn't like horror as a kid was like, it genuinely frightened me to the point where like I couldn't sleep at night. And like now, nothing really scares me that way, but I find it hard to enjoy some horror stuff. Analog horror, I'm just like, are they going to do this? Oh, I would love if they did this. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um, and while I was researching for this episode, I had to research. Usually I just sit down one afternoon and do a big like two to three hour research. For this, I had you had to, to like, turn on all of the lights. It had to be <laughs> noon. You had your brother had Chris in the room. I this into chunks because I watched it on my TV too. I was like the full experience. What? So <laughs> I would like pull you to the TV. I would pull up YouTube on my TV and watch it there. And I could only watch like two to three videos at a time before I had to like turn it off and go do something, something else. Thank God go the show walk. came out on Disney plus this week because that's what I've been splitting it up with. It's been like analog, analog Muppet show, analog, analog. Muppet show. <laughs> um, so let's go back. First of all, to say like, how are we defining analog horror? Because to folks who are like already kind of seasoned in horror on YouTube, this might be very familiar to you, but people yeah. who aren't, this genre doesn't really exist in film yet. Um, right. So because it's such a new genre, so this is a totally fair question. I like to think of analog horror as a subgenre of found footage. Um, and that's where it has a lot of its yeah. roots because technically it's it's specifically, of course, analog found footage. So something on a VHS or a cable access news network. Um, and like for specification, analog refers to the way that that uh, radio and picture signals are transmitted. The opposite of analog would be digital. Um, and analog mm-hmm. will usually refer to stuff like TV broadcasts, VHS and stuff. It's something like the waves are shaped a different way. Um, yeah. So what am I? <laughs> what am I? A scientist? I don't know. It, not that this factors into the to the to the horror at all. No. But digital can only be zero and one. And analog can be on like can be something between that. So like digital sounds back in the day would just be like beep. Beep, beep, but analog sounds would be like, you know? Yeah, the analog waves are wavy and then the digital ones are like, uh, they're like a, square like waves. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, that's the, not important. It, but. it literally doesn't matter at all. But the Fun fact. Uh, thing that 
I think like analog horror is a great name for it. It's not necessarily a descriptive name for it. Like the reason, like you said, found footage is such a perfect idea for it because it does show up on YouTube alongside Glenn's home videos from 2007, random news broadcasts from like 2011. And the thing about analog is it doesn't, uh, back in the day, TV, TV things would air once and it would be just transmitted to your television and you would watch it and that would be it. And the only way we could watch them again is if somebody taped them onto a less, uh, a lower fidelity platform like a VHS or a Betamax, whatever the hell. So like that uh, lowering of quality of the actual video makes makes it so that like, I, I said this during the stream, it it kind of, it lowers the bar for uh, suspension of disbelief where like you don't need to buy in as much to like, you know, not photorealistic effects or whatever because you're watching a VHS. Yeah. And also that way it kind of like a lot of analog horror videos have these like distortion effects and stuff. And I think in a lot of like non-analog horror content and media, then like those distortions could feel kind of like shoot in just because like, ooh, it's scary because right. it's distorted. But like in analog horror, there's an actual reason. It's because when you would have taped it back, it would have been distorted because you probably right. have, did you ever try to that's the most horrifying part of analog horror is having to interface with a VHS recorder. Yeah. And I think about it as a subgenre of found footage because of that, too. And also that calling it analog horror is so weird because it doesn't act like you said, doesn't actually say anything about the content. Just the, right. it's like calling like. It's like calling it film horror, like the genre of horror <laughs> films, calling it film horror. Yeah, I think it's more akin. The idea is that the analogness of it is a defining aspect of mm -hmm. the like mood in the same way that like psychological horror is yeah. about the mood like and you have it in the the uh outline but i think a good way to make people think about the difference between analog and other types of like short form horror is digital horror which is like the when when the internet was you know, when the internet was hitting its stride in 2008, yeah. <laughs> you know, and everybody was on this on this Facebook, uh, there was a bunch of digital horror where it was like, ooh, the internet's coming to kill you. Shove yeah. your hand into a blender like an unfriended. Yeah. Uh, and then now that we're in this like weird but incredible, like, let's return to retro tech time. We're getting analog horror. Yeah, that's because that's the question that I like had posed too. that, like, as soon as the digital age was upon us, we warmed right up to digital horror. But like, yeah, because it's terrifying. We weren't doing analog horror in the 80s. We're doing analog horror now. And that's right. because like we've had a cultural resurgence of a lot of kind of 80s. Yeah. Pop and I'm going to I'm going to put forward a hypothesis. Okay. So digital came around and everybody was terrified right away because it's terrifying and we're going to live in a techno dystopia. Uh, pretty dang soon. But the reason that analog was not considered horrifying was because the people making a bunch of this horror art were people who grew up with analog. So they were like, oh, that's not scary. That's nostalgic. I love that stuff. Digital is new and scary. Ugh, progressivism. <laughs> <laughs> and now that like at least young millennials are the ones making content, now they're like, oh, digital's a thing we kind of grew up with. Yeah, 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 sure, it can be scary, 
but let's talk about the weird stuff y'all did back in the 80s. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, because the generation of people that are using YouTube and consuming this content are that age group. Um, And um, and there's nothing more terrifying to an eight year old kid than a VHS tape. You show them that and they go, ah, what is that? Even the slightly older crowd, we always talk about how what makes horror really scary on the show is breaking expectations. So when you see a form that you are comfortable with, something like analog, something like you'd watch on a VHS, and then to see that messed with is always going to be scary. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I agree. And seeing the kind of effects that we associate with modern horror used in like a VHS thing. And you're like, oh, is that thing moving? What the heck? This is a VHS tape. Yeah. Um, and so like when we say analog horror, we're really not only referring to this, this medium that's presented in, but also like most commonly we're going to have themes of cosmic horror, eldritch horror and psychological horror in most analog horror. Um, that's kind of the genre it tends to fall into. Yeah. Um, we get some, some variation, but that that's tends to be where it lives. Um, and analog horror is also what I think makes it so effective with both the combination of the media and the genre of horror they, they choose to do is that in contrast to most like found footage, the video analog horror videos are presented in second person. We don't have characters analog horror. We don't have a protagonist. We're not there watching no somebody. People. Yeah, we're not watching somebody else watch this tape. We are the protagonist. We are the person watching this tape. Right. Right. We are but like and often they are because they are PSAs or news broadcasts or whatever. You are being you're being shown something that was meant to be shown to someone, but Mm -hmm. not to you. Yeah. Which is like scary. And I think that's the biggest difference between like analog horror and stuff like The Ring, Um, because The Ring is probably the closest we get in film to to analog horror. Yeah, um, maybe you're not meant to identify. You don't have anybody to identify with. Yeah, exactly. You don't because when you watch the ring, you're watching other people go through this. When you watch right. an analog core video, you are going through this. <laughs> <laughs> you um, you were the ring. The, yeah. the real ring was the friends we made along the way. It, it removes the safety of another character experiencing For it. Sure. And like you become the protagonist of it. Um, so there's a couple of other kind of like now that we've kind of defined it and talked about what it is now. Um I think besides found footage, the other and just kind of like nostalgia in in the analog medium, um, one of the other biggest influences for analog horror are broadcast interruptions. Um, let me because I don't want to talk too much about found footage because right. it will get its own episode in the future. Um, but just like very quick points. Obviously, the um, the connections are there. Uh, and then analog horror on YouTube uh, takes the like this could be real aspect of found footage and takes it even further by removing characters, removing protagonists, removing you watching it in the theater. Most of the time, removing credits. Most a lot of analog horror videos do have credits, which is nice. Yeah, um, I, I think we talked about this in the past. I mm-hmm. think that it is a bit unethical to not include credits at the end just mm-hmm. because like kids can be watching and there's a there's a it, it's it's kind of. Uh, I consider it kind of wrong to not. And and I think that the fact that most analog horror ends with this has ended. Here are the credits. I made mm-hmm. this. I hope you enjoyed is very cool. Like yeah. it adds to it because it, it I don't know, it creates a sense of like community and like art making that is like really neat. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what separates it too from creepypasta. Because yes. honestly, I think the biggest difference between like analog horror and creepypasta is credits. Creepypasta, they don't include the credits because you are meant to take this as fact. You are meant to look at this and think that this could be real. 
Um, and analog horror, they don't really try and do that. But most of the time, the horror is so effective that you can't help but feel like this might be real. Right. And it really starts to feel like it is just an art form where people are showing each other what they can do and what they thought of. And that's so interesting. It's kind of a inversion of the idea that like creepypasta takes itself, quote unquote, too seriously. But then analog horror takes it a step further and goes, no, we are actually taking ourselves seriously. This is not just weird Internet horror. It is art that we're making which yeah. is so cool and um but so with putting found footage aside i do want to talk about broadcast interruptions because this is kind of the form that a lot of analog horror narratives take of like if you've ever <laughs> experienced a weather broadcast interruption and it went yeah you have experienced analog horror and, like the emergency alert system too before you even get into broadcast interrupt well i mean the emergency yeah. alert system is a broadcast interruption yeah. um like that sound is so ingrained. Like the the fact that so much analog horror uses that, it's no coincidence because like yeah. we were raised to fear that sound. That sound means that there is an emergency. Yeah, it um, was the modern day like uh, nuclear war siren. Yeah, like where where we were so afraid of it, but at some point it became so just normal. Like I, I you questioned whether this was real, but I feel like at least. In Orange County, where I grew up, it was like a weekly thing at like Wednesday at noon. They would do a mm-hmm. test of it. See, I feel like ours was like, well, also, so I grew up I, around uh, Indian Point. So every like twice a month, there. twice a month, we would get the um, the, the the practice siren. They would test the yeah. warning sirens. Yep. Um, nobody ever told us when that was happening, though. So we'd all stand out <laughs> on our porch. Sorry, I should have had my like, dad let you guys know. <laughs> we would all stand out on our porch and be like. Should we do something about this? What do we Is do this? about this? <laughs> I remember it happened while I was like at home with my brother and sister and there were no cars because my parents were at work um, and we heard it go off and I kind of stood outside for a little bit and I was like, if this is real, I have no game plan. <laughs> I, I do. That's another thing that I just love about upstate New York. We had like, you know, a, a very effective and, and good nuclear power plant. It was like, again, my dad worked there. Very safe place. Provided, like, 20% of the power to New York City. Uh, great place. It, it didn't seem like we were ever prepared for a kind of three-mile island-esque no. scenario. No, I don't not feel like at anybody all. had shelters or anything. I was told we should definitely do something, but nobody right. told me exactly what. <laughs> nobody was quite clear about what we should do about this nuclear power plant on the Hudson River. Yeah. What we should do about it. Yeah, if it, if it started to melt. The true then, analog horror. Yeah, is an- I digress. There's, It's no coincidence that so much analog horror uses those kind of emergency alert system sounds. But so besides EAS systems, they also take the form of just like broad, broadcast hijacks or like something is interrupting the signal of what you would usually be watching. Local 58 does this a lot. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and often the uh, the... Because, and, and we've talked about this before, breaking expectations and also playing with authority. Because what a lot of Local 58 does is it will have a broadcast interruption that's like, we're sorry to interrupt your broadcast, but this bad thing is happening. Mm-hmm. And then something else will come in and use the same exact method, but say, that message was false. Don't yeah. listen to it. And so you don't know which one is the actual government and which one is the, the spooky alien monster. <laughs> And that is, I think that's really interesting because I don't think we have ever had this in our like in our time growing up. But I'm sure it's so obvious to people a little bit older than us 
the broadcast interruption for uh, 9-11 or the broadcast interruption for like Princess Diana dying, mm -hmm. like there are, there's such an authority to those messages uh, that playing with that authority is not only super spooky, but so intelligent. This show has just become us talking about something and me being like, that's so cool, man. It's so good. <laughs> um, the whole thing. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm also like sidetracked, but like my roommate is out of town this week. So I've been, uh, I'm by myself all week and I'm trying not to watch anything scary, but I can't help it because I think scary stuff is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> then I scare myself and I'm by myself in my apartment that I've lived in for like three weeks. Yeah. Um, anyway, I want to talk about these broadcast interruptions because I think this is the only time on the show I'm actually going to be able to talk about some of these. Um, okay. Because I do think a lot of the elements that we see in these actual for real recorded broadcast interruptions inspire what we see in analog horror yeah um and i'm so excited for these because these are the like the coolest things ever yeah so the idea of being like a, a a pirate like pirate radio station that like breaks into a news station and broadcasts that you're like lord zebular or whatever that's so <laughs> See, that's cool. basically what this first one the southern uh television broadcast interruption is uh this happened on november 26 1977 in parts of southern england this is um cited as one of the first uh broadcast interruptions and i'll say that like broadcast interruptions aren't always like people trying to do scary stuff a lot of the times it's for protest sometimes right. people just put porn on sometimes it's just stuff. porn in this um, one um but no these are all ones where i think it was meant to either freak people out or whatever um but so yeah. this one uh, november 26 1977 and about 5 10 in the evening so primetime tv um mm. a news summary was interrupted by a distorted voice delivering a message for about six minutes um, the voice introduced themselves as Vrillon, a representative of the Ashtar Galactic Command. Uh, Vrillon warned of an upcoming Great Awakening and encouraged that humans uh, put down their weapons of war and prepare for the New Age of Aquarius, which we just entered, right? The New, new Age of Aquarius? I, I Let me Google it. I think we did. So I remember when 2021 started um, around New Year's, they were like, oh, it's the New Age of Aquarius. Um Sure. It's very <laughs> long, lasting 2,160 20, 20, years. Is, oh, well. oh, oh, so uh, the Earth is tilted at, a, at an angle of 23.5 degrees, and it is always rotating around on that axis very slowly, and apparently that we've just, like, passed the point where we're now, like, pointing towards Aquarius rather okay. than the other one. Got it. That's um, sick, dude. Maybe they were talking about this year. They just got a bit off. Yeah. Maybe Vrillon was just a little early. Um, so and he ended the message with have no fear. Seek only to know yourselves and live in harmony with the ways of your planet Earth. We here at the Astro Galactic Command. Thank you for your attention. We are now leaving the planes of your existence. May you be blessed by the supreme love and truth of the cosmos, which is beautiful. But if I was watching the news one evening and this happened, I would poop my pants. Like even if there's part of my brain that knows that this is fake. That, yeah. that there's no way this is real. I would still be terrified. If I was in England in 1977, I would simply seek to know myself and live in harmony with the ways of my planet Earth. Rip, <laughs> rip to these guys, but I'm different. My question um, is, what did the voice of Rilon, the representative of the Astral Galactic Republic, have a British accent? <laughs> no. From what I'm remembering of the tape, he kind of spoke in like, like what, do they, what do we call like the acting, like the neutral uh was it neutral american no it was kind of something between neutral american and neutral was it mid-atlantic was, was this person like <laughs> no have no fear no seek only to know yourself i'll send you the tape later 
Um, or we can even play a clip of it. Um, if whatever. Sure, here's the clip now. This is the voice of Allah, representative of the Ashtar Galactic, speaking to you. For many years, you have seen us as knights in the stars. What anyway. a great clip. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so um, the person behind her. this was never identified. They never caught who did this. Um, Ashtar, they never caught Vrillon. <laughs> Well, that's because he left. Yeah, because he left our plane of existence. Um, but again, like, like of course, this is like you watching this and you're like, oh, this is a prank. But also, like, cable TV is such, like, I don't want to call it a safe place. But at the time, it was like, I watch the news. This is news time. This is the time when the news comes in. And then suddenly right. something else happens. And that's why it's so interesting that this has popped back up now because it basically invites people our age to step back into a time when the only media you watched was the television or the radio and the idea that that would be interrupted. Yeah. And obviously there is like a really interesting, like there's a political paper to be written about this, about like the inherent conservativeness of like uh, the authority of one type of media and how mm -hmm. that could have influenced people and that being taken and intruded upon like, I wish we were still in that time so that people with political views like mine could, like, protest via taking over a local radio station. That's so sick. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the Max Hedrum incident, probably the most infamous. I went to high school with him, I think. Max Hedrum? <laughs> Do you know who Max Hedrum is? No, I... I I've never heard. I just heard the name and I thought it was a funny joke that people make. He's OK. So the Max Hedrum incident is probably the most famous broadcast interruption. Max Hedrum, the character, was like this British AI. Like, oh, public. I don't like him. It's kind of it was kind of an oh, early Hatsune Miku situation. I don't it like how much we talk about <laughs> We talk about Hatsune Miku a lot on this show, but this was kind of an early Hatsune Miku situation where he was an Max AI. Max um, Headroom walked so that Hatsune Miku could run. But like come, on, on come at me when he was in commercials and like TV spots, he was played by a person in like prosthetics. Um, they would just yeah. use the audio from this AI. Um, and he became oh, like a very I like popular this guy. Yeah, he's very. He cool. looks like Bowser from the live action Mario he does movie. Look like Bowser from the live action Mario movie. Um, but uh, so like he became a very popular like Halloween costume and stuff at the time. Um, so this happened on November twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, where the almost exactly 10 years after the Verlon thing, um, when the broadcast... Max Headroom is in on it. <laughs> the broadcast of two TV stations in Chicago was interrupted by distorted footage and an, and audio of a man in a Max Headroom mask and costume. And he had this kind of like background behind him to try and mimic the background of what the Max Headroom commercials would look like. Mm -hmm. um, so he would make... He started talking in this distorted voice and making jokes. He was swearing up a storm. Um, he did, um, Max Hedrum did a Coke commercial at one time. So mm -hmm. he did like the Coke commercial and he went like, taste the wave with the Coke <laughs> bottle up. Taste the wave. Um, Is it Sean Connery? What was that voice? <laughs> I don't know. Taste the wave. Um, but, and then at one point, like it just cut to his bare ass being hit by a fly swatter by some oh, off camera woman. Um, and again, the culprits behind the Max Hedrum incident were never caught. And that's a big deal because the FCC fines for all the swearing in the butt. 
we're really this they need that money i feel like this one's not as like traditionally scary but would still be scary if you were watching you look back and watch the max headroom incident like this is very funny but yeah if you're watching it happen at the time it would be scary if if you're a mother (laughs) who has pearls to clutch this is a very terrifying (laughs) situation um and then the last broadcast interruption that i want to talk about um uh, and this one is kind of I think the most straightforward. This was meant to scare people. One um, was the Montana zombie uh, emergency alert system hack. So on February 11th, 2013. So technically this is an analog. This would be digital. Well, I mean, it was a hack if of the a- emergency alert system. So I guess it was technically right. Still it would still be analog. Yeah. Um, so a new station in Great Falls, Montana, had their emergency alert system hijacked uh, with a spoken message warning viewers that the bodies of the dead are rising from their graves and attacking the living. Um, and the hijacker went on to hijack several stations in the area, broadcasting the same message. But this hijacker was caught and arrested. Um, and again, would probably poop my pants if I heard this over the legitimate emergency alert system, despite any semblance of rationality of this can't be real. <laughs> like if I am used to hearing like the think of the emergency alert system that you are used to hearing where you are from. If you heard that just in the middle of the day broadcasting this message, like I- I really like the idea of, I guess, 15-year-old us going like, yeah, this is how they would announce the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> how else would they announce it? I, Adam, I don't, I don't know, but I do Like? But, like, I, uh, like, in my mind, the real stuff, is that they would be like, there's been a disturbance in Montana. Nobody go there. We're handling it. <laughs> I <laughs> guess, yeah. Montana die. That sucks for Montana specifically. Nobody, like, Montana seems like a lovely place. And and this person wanted to spook a bunch of Montanans. <laughs> That's not okay. Um. So, yeah, I think a lot of analog horror takes inspiration from things like broadcast interruptions, um, especially with them getting uploaded to YouTube. And I think analog horror also works really well for YouTube because YouTube is meant for um, short form content. And by short, I know YouTube videos can get long, but by short yeah. form, I mean shorter than a short film. Um, right. And when most of your narratives are from a second person perspective, like an analog horror, it's kind of got to be short form. It's kind of got to be snappy because you right. can't you, really you run keep, the risk. Yeah. Y- yeah. You can't keep a grip on second person for too long before we start to go like, wait a minute, or we start to lose interest or we start to right. lose us. And, um, and most short form, most horror is that way. Yeah. Like I think a lot of horror films that fail, fail because they just, maybe their concept was not, intriguing enough to hold you for that long yeah exactly um and of course found footage finds its way onto youtube horror with series like marble hornets um which i think was another kind of big early route for analog horror this series um but before as as kind of our last chunk of here i would like to talk about some of the most famous examples from youtube including some of the stuff that we watch in the live stream this is by no means a comprehensive list there's literally I've probably years of hours of analog horror content on YouTube. These are just kind of yeah. like the big wigs. These are kind of the ones that people are most familiar with. Right. This is the exact genre for like you to just fall down a hole and find a bunch of, again, the reason that I'm kind of obsessed with this genre is you can very easily fall down a hole where you find really compelling, small YouTube channels who are doing this. Like that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. 
I've been doing it really well. So uh, we'll talk about Local 58 first, um, because I think it's the one that people are most familiar with. My um, husband and yours. Chris Stroud. Stroud. Um, this was not the first analog horror series on YouTube, although people cite it as such. I think it was predated by a couple of channels, but I think this is kind of the one that made the genre explode. Um, and we've talked about it on the show before, um, so I will be brief, but it is an analog horror anthology series created by Chris Straub, who is also known for creating the Candle Cove creepypasta, um, which is a creepypasta about analog horror. Like, it's not right. the video, but it's about it. Yeah. Um, so the series follows a public access channel in Mason County, West Virginia, which keeps getting some strange broadcast interruptions. Broadcast inter- some of them are interruptions. Some of them are just uh, deliberately broadcasted onto this public access channel. Yeah. Um, it has no general overarching plot, although there are some continuous references to something sinister going on with the moon or the moon being dangerous and also an organization called the Thought Research Initiative. And honestly, I think the lack of an overarching plot really works in Local 58's favor. I think yeah. analog horror loses some of its scariness and some of its believability when it has this overarching plot. Um, right. Or when and they try to an expanded universe. Right. It's a hard line to walk. I think we will eventually do an episode. You know, I'm very, I'm very proud of myself for basically having a little list of Devin's episodes mm-hmm. where I get to do work uh, so that you're not doing everything. I mean, I edit the, yeah, anyway. you do edit the show, <laughs> um, but I think we should do an episode on the specific brand of uh, expansive, usually video games, but just internet related horror mm-hmm. where the enjoyment for a lot of fans is trying to like connect everything in a perfectly uh satisfying way which in in a lot of instances actually tends to castrate the horror from yeah. the property and i think we're, we 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 are want this because of things like marvel and star wars right. um and like and auteur theory yeah and You're... this is like my own personal thing but i don't like it when you can't enjoy part of it without knowing the, the lore, lore yeah. of everything, which is why I think yeah. Local 58 really works. You can take any Local 58 video. You don't have to watch in a certain order. Right. Um, you can just take any and you don't, you don't need context and just go for it. Um, right. And there being enough there to pull on and theorize mm-hmm. and talk about it with friends or whatever is very cool. I just think it, it becomes a problem when like people start to believe that there are answers. Yeah. You know? um, and I say this as a person who once DM did. Uh, a RPG campaign based off of Local 58. So do take my opinion with a grain of salt because that's pretty much the antithesis of of that. Yeah, um, and I uh, yeah, and I'm a pretentious asshole. So take all of my opinions <laughs> yeah. with a grain of salt. Um, uh, we've already talked about some of the most famous entries like Contingency or on the fastest available route, Weather Service. Uh, we talked about those are kind of the big three. Uh, during yeah. our live stream, we watched Real Sleep and Show for Children. Um, I love both, both very, of these very good. a lot. I love show for children from like a technical standpoint because it switches up the analog format to give us a f- fully animated one. And it's yeah. still animation being broadcast on this cable network, but yeah. it is almost fully animated. Yeah, I really enjoy what uh, one of the ones we'll talk about later does this as well. One of the things that is really effective and kind of makes analog horror accessible to to newer artists or artists who may not have the exact skill they want to have is how analog allows you to do quote unquote easier, but really just more simplistic or simpler types of animation or effect that because of the format actually enhances the horror 
So having like simple animations that look like they're from a PBS show from the 1970s is so freaking cool. One of these videos looks like I said like an FMV game from like 1996, <laughs> which is just like such a specific visual style that I'm sure was so much fun to create. And actually by being this like quote unquote less modern, less polished video effect actually makes the art better. Yeah. Which is so cool. Um, and then I loved Real Sleep as well that we watched. Um, so good. Somebody brought it up during our live stream that a lot of these analog horror videos have slow burns. Um, yeah. And this one does without a doubt. Uh, like we always kind of know something is off with this, this, this sleep training tape that we are watching, but it doesn't really dive into the full horror of it until about the last two minutes. And even then, Which, what I really love about Local 58 is it never fully breaks the the believability. It never does kind of like the complete like we never see a like i think in newer the fastest available route we see a monster yeah. for like 0.4 seconds but right. it, it never goes beyond the point of i could see this on tv right there's never there's usually you are on the fastest available route i think in our episode i cited that as like a moment that i think it fell mm -hmm. for me but like the the ability to just kind of walk that line again of like not showing what not showing the end point the mm -hmm. way a TV show or a movie would, but also the incredible power of having a short form video that is a slow burn. Like that shouldn't be possible. Yeah. But this three minute video because it takes two minutes to get there feels like it's 20 minutes long. And that's so interesting. It feels like a like compacted version of Midsummer where you know something's wrong the whole time. Mm hmm. And that's another benefit of being on a place like YouTube where you see the title. You know it's an analog horror video. You have context going in, so you are expecting to be scared, which is another breaking expectations thing. Yeah. Um, another channel I want to talk about is the Minerva Alliance. Uh, this is another anthology name, series yeah, um, by a company called Quarks and Rec. Um, it is sort Great of... Great name also. <laughs> the Minerva Alliance itself is like... It's a fictional company presenting us these videos, and they're an organization dedicated to revealing the existence of anomalies uh, around the world the governments are trying to hide. It's like a reverse SCP Foundation. Instead of trying to right. keep them a secret, they're trying to out these monsters. Um, although not quite monsters, because it is often implied that the videos themselves are the anomalies. Like, we're just watching the library of these anomalies. Like, that one, the Reagan SCP, that the video itself is the anomaly. Right, is the, yeah. Um, this is the channel where Mr. Know-It-All's game show Spectacular and Unusual EAS Alert are from. That's the Arthur uh, right. emergency alert system one. Um, like I said before, Mr. Know-It-All's really gives me the creep. I think it's the lack of voiceover that does it for me. The fact that yeah. like I can't like I can't look away because I have to read it so I know what's going on. Yeah, and there's another thing about I'm just going to be talking about effects this whole episode. Mm -hmm. I say towards the end of the episode, the. Uh, because of the nature of analog effects and the way it's like glitching out on parts of the screen all the time, your brain tends to tune it out. Mm -hmm. So you so often are like, did that thing change? Oh, no, it must have been an effect. Oh, wait, no, 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 it did. And with Mr. Know-It-All, because it's that clown face, it might be winking or 
its eyes are wider or it smiles. And mm. that's the kind of thing where you're like, did I just see that? Yeah. Oh, no, it must have been a glitch on the tape. Oh, no, 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 no there it is. Yeah, oh, it's no, there it's the okay. whole time, too. So you get used yeah. to it and then it changes. Yep. No, no, no. Um, and according to no, the... No, no, Mr. Know-it-all, no, no. <laughs> according to the Minerva Alliance lore, this video either kills the kids who watches watch okay. watch it or sure. makes them disappear, but has no effect on adults. Um, I like the disappear one more. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there is gone. that part where, like, the question is, where it's like, what is the color? Like, what's the name of the alert when children go missing? And the answer is amber. Yeah. Um, very scary. Um, and then an unusual EAS alert is also really good. But I feel like, I feel like, like, I know we talked about slow burns and like not giving away too much. I feel like this one is like, doesn't quite give enough away. Like we start to get too into it. Like, they say like, they say like no above ground shelter, shelter will protect you from the storm. I need, I need one more thing. I need just one more piece. Interesting. Yeah. I would, I, for me, I liked that one a lot. I think that again, it's kind of hemmed in by the, by the nature of the format, like what maybe I would have wanted to happen is like Arthur says something that's related to the thing that's related to the storm or whatever, but that's so hard to pull off in a non-silly way, in yeah. a non-kind of the end of you're on the fastest available route way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, I would like to talk about, I think my favorite one besides Local 58, which is Gemini Home Entertainment. All um, these names are so good. They're good. I'd like to just, there's something about analog horror that allows you to come up with great names and usually really good retro TV logos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the sounds, too, like I was doing the music at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, your so perfect rendition. My perfect of the, rendition yeah, of Local 58 music. If you guys are wondering, that wasn't actually the local, I didn't insert the Local 58 music. Adam was actually doing it with yeah, his voice. That's me. Um, so, Gemini uh, is an analog horror channel by. Um, I, Remy Abode, Remy Abode. I'm sorry, Remy. I'm probably pronouncing your last name. Um, and these are uh, VHS tapes instead of being a cable channel, like many analog horror series. Um, mm -hmm. So these videos uh, depict a world that is terrorized by various various cryptids and monsters. A world where something went wrong, but we're not quite sure what exactly. Yeah. Which I think it's good. Like there is an expanded universe of Gemini Home Entertainment, but we don't have to know about the other parts of the expanded universe to enjoy. Uh, right. Like I think Gemini really meets the best of both worlds in that sense of like there is an expanded universe, but you don't have to know about it to enjoy. Uh, right. And you don't. Videos. Yeah. And there's not a real need to know all of it. Yeah. Like like as in when you're watching it, you don't feel the you don't feel the need of I want to know every little thing and how it connects. It's like, no, I just want to watch this thing. Yeah. Um. And also, uh, so during the live stream, we watched Camp Information Video uh, and uh, Games for Kids. Camp Information Video was my first exposure to Gemini, so I really like it. Um, and there's something that I really love, and I see this in all Gemini videos, that a lot of analog horror is a slow descent. You kind of get like little hints and blips until finally it all kind of falls apart. Gemini is like all normal or if not a little off-putting until like one wham line and suddenly it is not normal. Um, yeah, it is a digital thing where it's just zero the whole way through and then a square wave of spook. Yeah, it's you know? like... Uh, square wave for, of spook is actually one of the uh, the original names for this podcast. <laughs> for um, for camp information video, it's the when they're talking about the activities and like hiking, canoeing, harvest, and then yeah. from the rest of it, it's right. scary. Um, yeah. 
That and video has my favorite moment in any of these, which is the door. it keeps showing you this door with the knocking and like that's super good and it's super spooky. Scary. And then at the end, in this like static frame that looks so static and we like it's, it's a never picture. gonna change. Yeah, you think it's a picture. The door opens. Scary. It's, oh, that's so good. Um and uh, games for kids, I really love. I think it is set up so well. The music cutting out, and that's the same thing. Yeah. We get um, one, two, three, bam. Very normal. I mean, not very normal. It's yeah, a it's little weird, yeah. but still pretty straightforward. We get uh, what is it? It's like hide and seek, freeze tag, sardines, feed the woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Also, and the you music didn't know what cuts out. Was. They're like, here we go. Yeah, and that that one also has. I I think there's another video that. Perhaps I'm just forgetting which one specifically it is, but it's the one that ends with the spiders. Oh, yeah, that was who. from Eventide Media Center. Yes. Uh, Eventide Media does the kind of FMV style, but Gemini also does something similar where there is usually some kind of odd, like, full-on, uh, like, special effects monster mm -hmm. that shows up, although it is usually cloaked in shadow and is, like, the movement is really creepy, but yeah, very good. Yeah, it's a very different movement style than the rest of the videos in. Right. It kind of uh, it kind of feels like stop motiony or yeah, like motiony in a really cool way. Uh, and the end of Games for Kids, it like pulls down this cop car in like such an interesting yeah. way. Oh, it's so. And good. I like that it doesn't dwell on it either. Like it doesn't show you right. extend it. It goes one two. That's all you're gonna see of it. Um, that's all monster. you need to see of it. Um, and also the games for kids, the way that it ends with the the picture of Earth and the arrows has found you. Oh, I think is very yeah. scary, and I like it a lot. So good. Um. But yeah, in like general, this is a genre that I, I really enjoy, a genre that is really hitting its stride on YouTube right now. Um, and like this is barely scratched the surface of what there is of this on YouTube. There's like literal like of just fake emergency alert system videos like so hours. Um, yeah. So I invite everybody to go and like find your find your favorite ones um f go and discover watch these like big channels but then also go and watch the smaller there's a bunch we didn't talk about event type media center we didn't talk about channel seven like there's so so many more so go go exploring um and and fi find some find some yeah be sure to stuff. hit that like button and subscribe button hit the bell i mean get notified whenever real, they make new videos these small creators support them oh yeah, no, that's not a joke. Yeah. Uh, Most and all, like, a lot comments. of these creators have Patreons too. Um, yes. I know Chris Straub has a Patreon. Um, if you enjoy their content, um, subscribe to their Patreons. Yeah. Also, tweet at Chris Straub and tell him to be on our show. <laughs> we haven't asked him, but <laughs> yeah, we should probably ask him. Um, yeah, that's gonna be it for this episode, episode fifty-one of the Great American Scream. We didn't even talk about it last week. Over the hill. But thank you guys so much. Fifty-one dang episodes. I think uh, like 45 of those have been over the past year. Yeah. Uh, which is so crazy. And I'm so thankful. You know, there were a lot of podcasts started in the year 2020 because of a certain thing that happened. And 60% of them were not updating by November. Is that a real statistic? That's a real you statistic. Wow. And we did it. We're still going. We made it to 2021. And we wouldn't have uh, made it 2021 if it wasn't for you guys tuning in, of course. Yes. Seriously, so much fun to not only hang out with my friend Adam, but uh, engage with all of you guys on the on the internet and over analog too. Sometimes <laughs> I know I I have my old dial uh, telephone. Sometimes you guys call in, and it's real fun. Uh, but it's a secret telephone number that you have to get through the ARG that's <laughs> in the first forty episodes. 
and all the secret numbers. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Great American Scream. If you enjoyed, please uh, leave a rate and review if you listen on iTunes. If you're on Spotify, you can follow and share the episode or the show itself. Any other podcatcher, you can probably leave a rate and review. So please do that. It helps us out so much. If you're on Ghana, which is the uh, the Indian podcast service, thank you so much for listening. It's so yeah. great to see you guys. We see you guys all the uh, time on our stats and stuff. Yeah, it's so much fun. Uh, let us know where you where you listen and and how uh, we can make the podcast better for y'all as well. And uh, if you're interested, we also have a Patreon where you can get uh, some some cool behind the scenes content. Adam posts his outlines. Uh, we do Q. Uh, we do like polls for months episodes episode suggestions and discussions about what uh, what direction we want the show to go in in the future because it is all about what you guys want to listen to uh this show has changed so much in the past year uh, in terms of our focuses and what we talk about and that's uh because of y'all so adam can you pick our social medias please uh yes you check us out on facebook at the great american scream or more frequently on twitter and instagram at great scream pod um send us your favorite analog horror videos channels we didn't talk about videos we didn't talk about please send them to us i love watching this kind of stuff uh you can tweet at us or post using the hashtag tgas and as always um if you have a suggestion for something you want to hear about on the show tweet it at us or send it to us because um your suggestion may become a topic for a future episode yes special thank you goes out to michael segudo who does the disclaimer at the beginning as well as stevie viola who does the music for the intro and outro you can find him on youtube at stevie viola his music is very good uh also special thank you goes out to our current patrons that was my door uh so thank you to ben eric casper brie gail joyce brucker melinda and chris i'd also like to shout out some of our friends in the horror podcast space uh if you haven't yet uh go and listen to jar rebuke uh haunt her i barely know her is very good friday the 13th horror podcast also very good uh autopsy of a horror movie uh, less um, is more uh, georgie romero's dead so good. Uh, listen to those. Wait, is is it isn't it? Georgie Romero is not dead. Oops, what did I say? <laughs> I don't know, but if we mess up the <laughs> all the stands are gonna come for us. Uh, uh, let me just check it. Georgie Romero is done for. That poor oh my guy. God, we, what did I say? Why am I just making up names of these podcasts that don't we, exist? We doomed Georgie Romero. <laughs> Georgie, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, but thank you to all of y'all. It's so fun to yeah. like cross and go check out our friends over at Swampcast and the non horror universe as well. Yes, uh, as well as uh, Casper, who does Jar Rebuke, has a non horror podcast called The Queer Thesperience. Check that out as well. Other than that, I have been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully, you have been spooked. Go feed the woods. <laughs> hey, but when you go feed the woods, do it safely. There's no way to do it safely. You're feeding the woods. <laughs> <laughs>